What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the afternoon hours of Monday, January 30th, 2023. As we're a couple of days away from the calendar flipping to February. And when that happens, as we all know, that means baseball season is on the way. In fact, this year, for those who follow the NFL, Super Bowl Sunday takes place February 12th. And then the next day, I believe, is like the first, I don't know if it's official, unofficial, the first workout for Cardinals players who are participating in the World Baseball Classic at spring training. The the rest of the guys report a little bit later, but that's, there's a lot of guys, first of all, that'll be down there already. And so that's sort of like the kickoff to spring training this year because those guys are getting there or required to get there a few days earlier. And so that sort of kicks off spring training with that Monday I believe it's that Monday that's the first workout. That's the first thing I'll be at, anyway, down in Jupiter. So, time to kind of get into Cardinals baseball mode. I know we've done some podcasts a little sporadically throughout the offseason. I won't consider this yet, and this is like inside-inside baseball for people who don't care about it, but for my purposes, when I log these episodes of B-Shape Daily, which we're up over, I don't know how many episodes this is, over 300, when I log these episodes... It asks me on uh, Anchor there, where I where I distribute the podcast from. You know, what season of uh, your podcast is this episode from? Season one, season two. I sort of consider the beginning of spring training to be a new season of B-Shape Daily. So technically, this is the tail end of season two, just sort of tidying up. But we're going to start to look ahead for sure. Uh, but season three, I think, will begin with that first uh, spring spring training podcast. That's the plan, anyway. So, uh, yeah, Monday, February 13th, be looking out. We'll we'll do plenty before then, but that'll be officially when I turn the calendar to Season 3. I don't even know if that's something that you guys see as listeners, but I, on my end, it's Season 3. Looking forward to that a couple of weeks from today. But for now, we'll continue to sort of uh, preview the season from a long-range perspective, talk about the off-season stuff, and uh, maybe over the course of this week as well, get into some, some other sports content you know the the Mizzou basketball team doing really well that's another big area of interest for me doing the big show there in Columbia on KTGR with my co-host Andy Humphrey talk a lot of Mizzou Tigers over there and uh certainly Chiefs fans if you're a fan of the the uh, only remaining NFL Missouri football team they're in the Super Bowl so they'll have that to look forward to for the next couple of weeks and we might talk a little football as well Uh, but today we're going to stick with Cardinal stuff because I never really did a podcast after winter warm-up, and there was plenty that came from that that we could dissect. I just frankly have not had a lot of time to do it. Uh, this week, my my son, who's nearing five months old, that'll be later this week, he'll turn five months old. He's got COVID this week, so that's been a lot of fun dealing with that. But got a minute here to uh, kind of touch on some of the things that I thought were interesting. We're going to focus on John Mozeliak's comments from winter warm-up. But if there's any Cardinals angles that you want me to pursue prior to spring training, because once we get down there, news will be happening. There will be so much going on. We won't really have a lot of time to backtrack. But as B-Shape Daily listeners know, we do, you know, we, we deal in a little bit of everything when it comes to Cardinals baseball. So right now, if there's anything that you're wondering about with this team that we want to dive a little bit deeper on from an angle that, that hasn't been done yet, let me know. At B-Shafer12 on Twitter, shoot me a direct message and tell me, hey, here's something I think would be interesting to talk about. And, uh, hey, if you've already done that, and I said, oh, that's cool, and I've, I've never really dug into the thing you wanted to, bother me again. I deserve it. I'm forgetful. But for today, we'll focus on John Lozalak's stuff, and I want to just kind of tee it off by playing 
uh, basically the entire opening monologue that that Mo had from winter warm-up from his media session that lasted about a half an hour because he talked for like three minutes sort of uh, preemptively trying to cover some of the questions he knew he was going to get, right, about some of the things they did do, some of the things a team did not do in the offseason, which I feel like is more what the conversation surrounding the Cardinals uh, has been about because obviously they got Wilson Contreras but didn't do anything else, I mean, at all in terms of uh, major league signings. I don't know. They signed anybody else to a major league deal? Maybe they signed somebody to like a like a 40-man roster spot kind of deal, and I, it slipped my mind. But nothing really notable in terms of what they're doing with the starting lineup. Anybody that really has a viable chance, you hope, of, of being helpful in the starting rotation. They've thrown some bullpen arms at it with, with some some minor deals, but not a whole lot beyond that Wilson Contreras contract. And uh, so I just want to kind of play for you guys what John Lozalek had to say about the team, how he views it, and we can we can dissect that a little bit too. So here's Mo from winter warm-up. It's a couple minutes long. Give it a listen, and uh, let me know what you think. As we start to look at the season, obviously it's a, a – you know, very exciting time for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, you know, when we reflect back on the offseason, there were uh, certainly some things we were hoping to do that we weren't able to accomplish. But, you know, our number one goal was to obviously add a catcher. We were fortunate enough to do that. Um, and then uh, a lot of things sort of unfolded or transpired that necessarily didn't break the way we had hoped. But, you know, net-net, as we start to look at, at Jupiter and, and starting to really think about the 2023 20, season, we, we really are excited about what we have. Um, we know this was a talented team. And uh, when you look at our roster and, and sort of wonder, like, well, what could you have augmented or what should you have augmented or how should we have thought about that, you know, I, I, I really sort of, We'll have everybody circle back to when you think about performance and, and how people played or if they were injured. You know, the, the key for the St. Louis Cardinals as you think about 2023 is really going to be who, who, who are we? And, and what I mean by that is, is what is Tyler O'Neill? What is Dylan Carlson? You know, what are we going to get out of Jack Flaherty? And if these guys perform to the expectations that we believe they're capable of, we think we're going to be a, a very talented and competitive and compelling team to watch. So, um, you know, these are these are the the bets we made, um, but we're certainly excited about the group we have. Um, obviously, we know we we have a great core when you think about Goldie and Nolan, but it's it's really what's around that. And you know, I think you also can when you think about that roster, there are emerging stars coming and. Um, and that's not even really to start to dig into what we think we have at the minor league system or at the prospect level. But when you look at that prospect group, there are some younger players that are starting to put themselves on that major league radar. When you think about somebody like a Jordan Walker and what his impact might be, or Graceffo, McGreevy, to name a few. And so that's really what's going to go into to how we think about the 23 season unfolding. And so... Um, you guys might not share my same enthusiasm or optimism for this season, but I, I, I promise you it's, it's going to be a fun team to watch and, and one that's going to be very competitive. So a lot to dig in there from Mo. As I mentioned, you know, he opened up his media availability with this. It was about, I don't know, three minutes long or so. So he got into a lot of different aspects of things that I'm sure Cardinals fans are wondering about. Uh, you know, primarily the notion of they didn't do a whole lot in the offseason. I thought, and I've talked a lot about it on B-Shape Daily, that this could have been an offseason where the Cardinals 
used in particular the trade market to try and reorganize the sort of bottom half of their roster and make some moves that that made sense. Uh, I called for it to be like, you know, have an offseason like what you typically see from teams like the Mariners uh, or the Padres, DePoto, A.J. Preller, those those kinds of executives aren't afraid to make deals. And some, you know, Moselock would probably say, well, don't you don't just make a trade to make a trade. But sometimes those moves, I feel like the Cardinals get a little bit gun shy on. And, and that may be because some of those minor trades haven't panned out in the past. It may be that the market this offseason wasn't conducive to making minor trades because teams were asking so much for the talent. And it, and it was kind of like because of the expectations other organizations had about their guys, maybe that led to a bit of a stalemate uh, on, the, on the trade market. I, I did ask Mo about the trade market in particular later on in the in the uh, media session there at winter warm-up. He spent a lot of time talking about the free agent market and, and what the Cardinals uh, did or didn't do, but I wanted to ask him about the trade stuff. And so I the way I framed it was I asked if there was anything that surprised him about the negotiations within the trade market from the offseason. And here was his response to that question. Uh, I think, I, th- I think you know, overall, I think the trade market was relatively slow. Um which I think, you know, for the most part, I think what you're doing or what you're seeing is, you know, teams are trying to remain competitive. And and so maybe teams that in the past might have been more apt to trade or break their club up, um, you saw less less teams participating in that. But having said that, like, yeah, we were kicking the tires on a bunch of trades. I mean, like, we can all, you know, hark back to winter meetings. I mean, it was pretty well documented what we were trying to do. And uh, when we realized we weren't going to accomplish that, we pivoted pretty quick and went to the free agent market. So I thought it was interesting that Mo sort of characterized the trade market and the slow nature of it more because, well, maybe teams that are typically tanking and, and might be trading away these types of players in the offseason have some hope going into the year. So maybe instead of doing it now, which admits to your fan base, like we're, we know where we're at here, we're building for the future, not for the immediate future of 2023. Maybe some of those deals wait till July. Now, obviously there were trades that were made this offseason and you know, the player I think that the Cardinals probably targeted the most in trade talks was Sean Murphy with the Athletics, and ultimately that player did get moved. So it's not that uh, the Cardinals couldn't make that deal as a result of uh, teams not being as willing to engage in trading away star players. They just, the, the asking price, at least from what we know from reports, was just astronomical from that organization for Sean Murphy when they were dealing with the Cardinals. Uh, ultimately, they, they made a trade, a three-team deal that involved the Braves and the Brewers, uh, sending Murphy to Atlanta, that the the ask it just didn't line up. I think with what the Cardinals were being asked to part with in order to acquire Sean Murphy, and so as you heard there at the end, that's why Mo uh, said the Cardinals pivoted pretty quickly to the free agent market, and that's where they landed Wilson Contreras. I was really kind of wondering more about some of the tr- the other trades outside of the catcher arena because I thought there was maybe room to do some of those things as well. But I think it boils back to, like, if you think about the pitching depth on this team, they've got a bunch of starters, six guys with Major League starting experience. Dakota Hudson kind of mentally may may factor him as the odd man out, number six. But I'm telling you, when they get down to spring training, I think attrition will happen, injuries will occur, and so you'll be glad that they have that depth. But if you're a Cardinals fan that's looking at Dakota Hudson saying, hey, when the number three starter gets hurt and that bumps Hudson up to five, I'm not comfortable with that because I, I didn't think he did a good job last year or whatever. That was maybe the area where I thought the Cardinals might try to get creative and move some of those guys sort of on the tail end of their rotation depth. 
clear them out for prospects, whatever the case might be, and then sign a pitcher to sort of backfill that role. They didn't end up getting anything like that done. And so I, I said all along, I think trades need to happen before this team makes any sort of substantial signing of a pitcher. And they they didn't make any trades and therefore maybe didn't make any signings. I don't know if that's exactly the way it went down. That's sort of me doing the roster math, though. That's kind of how I viewed it. And uh, ultimately, it, it played out that they didn't make didn't make moves, didn't make trades of any infielders to uh, end up adding a left-handed free agent bat. John Mozilluk had thoughts on that as well. But I want to get into wrapping up uh, the remainder of what he had to say about the team coming into the season first, and then I'll maybe get that left-handed bat clip. There's lots of clips I'd like to play for Mo. But I, what I noticed from the initial monologue sort of that he had there was said, all right, the question of 2023 is going to be like, who are we as a team? What are guys like? And he mentions a few names specifically, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson. I think there was one more. I took down notes, but I can't remember it. He mentioned some of these guys and, and asked sort of what are these guys going to be for 2023? And that may end up sort of determining what the Cardinals are uh, as a team and what their season will be like. Jack Flaherty, obviously, was the other one. I knew it would come to me. That, like, what are what are, what are Jack Flaherty going to be? What are What is Jack Flaherty going to be? What is Dylan Carlson? What is Tyler O'Neill? Like, those are three guys the Cardinals, I think, coming into the 2022 campaign were counting on to play big, pretty big roles, and all three of them fell short of expectations for various reasons. Uh, injury was involved in all three. But then when Tyler O'Neill was on the field, when Dylan Carlson was on the field, the production wasn't, uh, I, I don't think, a, a, as to the par of what they expected either. So sort of banking on rebound seasons from those guys seems to be a big part, admittedly, like self-admittedly, the Cardinals are the ones saying this, big part of what will happen to this team in 2023. If those guys have good seasons, they'll be able to say, see, this is why we didn't cut bait on those guys just to make a move because uh, we didn't like what their numbers were last year. We didn't like what their health was last year. We stuck with them and it worked out. Or it may go the other way. you got to recognize that. And when that happens, I shouldn't say when, if that happens, I think Cardinals fans would then be right to say, hey, your evaluations of what this roster was, were, they, weren't, they weren't correct. They were proven wrong. And so the Cardinals are making those bets. That's what Mo said at the end there of the monologue. He said, no, these are the bets that we've made and we'll see how they play out. Personally, I think you can expect Jack Flaherty to be a really good pitcher if he's healthy, but we haven't seen him healthy for a full season in quite some time. So that's a risk in and of itself. But again, unless you were going to trade him, I don't know exactly what you expect the team to do with Jack Flaherty. You sign him to his arbitration deal. He's making like $5 million, whatever it is, nothing too substantial. And then you hope that you get the production out of him. He's a free agent after this year. I think he'll go into free agency and be on a different team for 2024. But the production he can bring to the rotation this year is substantial if he's healthy. So they're running it back with him. Tyler O'Neill again, did the Cardinals try to maybe float him in trade offers? Perhaps, you know, we don't see the ins and outs of all that, but we talked about it, thinking that it would make sense if teams were, were interested in, in the potential of what he could provide and they wanted to reshuffle the outfield a little bit. They might've floated him out there. I don't know if there was a lot of traction. This seemed to be the offseason of teams looking for left-handed power, and Tyler O'Neill is, is right-handed power. Granted, it doesn't matter what hand he hits with if he's good. That's the way I've always seen it, but you got to be good against right-handed pitching specifically. And in, in 2022, Tyler O'Neill struggled offensively, and, and he also struggled to stay on the field. So he's put in a lot of work. We, we heard from him at winter warm-up in sort of his durability and, and doing things Still going to be that weightlifting guy. He said, that's my background. That's that's my core of what I do. But, you know, implementing some other elements to his uh, to his strategy to make sure he stays durable for the season. 
I think if Tyler O'Neill's on the field, I think he'll be a pretty good player. He's got tools that jump off the page. He's got speed. He's got athleticism. He's got power. He's got all of these things. He, you know, he's got a knack for the game. So if he's healthy, I think you, you can see a bounce back. I could understand where the Cardinals would be coming from there. Dylan Carlson was a top prospect, you know, coming up. He couldn't hit right-handed pitching this past year. The Cardinals are banking, I think, a lot on the fact that his wrist was bothering him throughout the year, and they know better than we know when it was hurting, how much it was hurting, all of those things. And so that's their evaluation, right? So you can individually look at all these and say, that makes that makes some sense. And if the Cardinals get, you know, the, the prime versions of all of these guys this year, coupled with an Arenado and a Goldsmith and a Wilson Contreras and, and you know, Michaelis and Wainwright one more time, like you could see the pieces coming together, Tommy Edmond, running it back with Brendan Donovan after a gold glove season where he had a great on-base percentage, a full year of Lars Newbar. I mean, you can pencil it in and see the makings of a really good roster. And so I think that's what the Cardinals are banking on. And uh, rather than overreact, they maybe underreacted to some of the the data from last year to say, I don't think this is who these guys are. And uh, except for the catcher spot, we we think we, uh, you know, we know what Andrew Kisner is. We don't think he's quite going to be that guy that can be 120 games behind the plate and give us the offensive production we need. So we're going to pivot to free agency or, or trade market, however we can come up with a catcher. And they added a guy who can really hit at the catcher position. So they felt that was their big need. They covered it. And now we'll kind of let the pieces fall where they may on the rest of the roster. And again, I've still got a clip where I'll play, and it's actually kind of combining the notion of, hey, we were after a left-handed bat. Here's why we didn't get one. And I know you're all going to ask about starting pitching, power bat, uh, maybe at the shortstop position specifically, because we did spend a lot of time looking at, again, not because we're all dogging Tommy Edmond, but because, hey, the power bats on the market all happen to play shortstop. Maybe you add one because that makes your lineup better, stronger, deeper. And Moselock referenced uh, both of those things. He was asked uh, about, you know, their inaction, relative inaction in, in free agency, and uh, sort of ran the gambit on, on why the team did what they did. But I want to take one more moment, and it kind of fills into this as well, referencing a couple of names, actually three names that Moselak said, you know, unprompted in his opening monologue where he said, "This, these are the bets we're making, and also we've got a lot of emerging talent. And he immediately said, and that's not even referencing the prospects. When I say emerging talent, I'm not necessarily talking about prospects. I know that's what our minds always go to. And I think he sort of glossed over that part of it to then talk about the prospects. But at first, when he said emerging talent, I think he's talking about the Edmonds and the Brendan Donovans and maybe like the Yepeses, the Gormans, guys who, you know, they're not prospects anymore. And they're they're either along the trajectory of established players like an Edmond or getting there potentially over the next year like a Donovan and the Cardinal or a Gorman in particular. And the Cardinals are looking about, looking at those guys and saying those guys aren't part of the, the prospects, you know, when we think of that term in our mind, but they're emerging talent that can help us uh, even more this year than they did in past years. And then he said, okay, now I'll go on to the prospects because I know that's what everybody wants to talk about. And here are the three names that he unprompted decided to mention. And to me, when he's mentioning these names, it it very much is relevant to 2023. He's not going to start talking about the 2023 season and then bring up prospects if he doesn't think the prospects that he's naming can help the team in 2023, right? That wouldn't make sense. So the names that he says are, in order, Jordan Walker, which, of course, Jordan Walker. I mean, there's a chance that six months from now, he is, you know, one of the best players in baseball. Like, that's possible. He could be the Julio Rodriguez of of the 2023 season. Great outfielder for the Mariners. Jordan Walker has that kind of potential. 
where he, he gets the call, he takes off and runs with it, and that's just it. He's a star. Probably hefty expectations to put on a guy his age, but who's to say he can't pick up that mantle? I think if anybody can, he's got the demeanor to be able to do it and certainly the talent to back it up. So Jordan Walker has mentioned that's not a surprise to anybody. We've been telling you he's going to be here this year. It may not be April that he that he arrives, but May, June, July, I mean, it's going to happen at some point, barring injury, you know, barring something unforeseen. Guy's going to help out this team this year. And so that's uh, something to keep an eye on. But he also mentions, John Mozeliak also mentions two pitchers, Gordon Graceffo, who was the team's minor league pitcher of the year last year in the organization, good year at Springfield. And then he mentions Michael McGreevy as well, the uh, first-round pick from uh, the 21 draft, I believe it was, so a couple years ago at this point already. And when they drafted him, it was like, okay, he's got good command, could be a fast riser through the minor league system because of that. And uh, everybody asks about McGreevy, can he add velocity? You know, that's the name of the game at the big league level these days. But, I mean, unprompted, you're mentioning Graceffo and McGreevy as guys that could help out. Now, will it be a starting role, bullpen? You know how the Cardinals do these things. It, it kind of happens that if they've got a need in in just, you know, for a, effective pitching, they'll call you up, and it might be in a bullpen role to start with. But later on, it could evolve into a starting role. You just, you just never know. But arms that can help get out to the big league level – I think John Mozeliak looks to those two guys, Graceffo and McGreevy, as guys that could do that in 2023. So I think it's interesting that he mentions those names specifically. But he's doing that in sort of, again, teeing up the 2023 season and and what the expectations are, how the Cardinals, who expect to be competitive, expect to do it. Bill DeWitt, later on in the weekend, sort of defended the spending and said, you know, last year we were 12th in revenue, we're 12th in spending, sort of defending where the team is on that chart. But everybody wanted to know about some of the moves that were not made. And so here was John Mozeliak's response to a question about just their approach to free agency in general and some of the positions that they targeted but maybe didn't end up with uh, getting a guy that filled those roles or positions that people thought they should target and they admittedly didn't really spend a lot of time on. Here's John Mozeliak on that. One of the things we were looking for was was a, a left-handed bat, a veteran bat, um, but I don't think we were a very compelling team to come to because when you, when you look at our roster, there is competition for who that might be, and I think some people just did not find that all that interesting. And, and so, you know, typically in negotiations, it really comes down to sort of money and years, but there's also that factor of of you know how do I fit in as that player, and so. I think we were having a hard time really convincing that this was, you know, an impactful type role given the competition we have. So there were things like that. And obviously we were, you know, kicking the tires on a few other things to, to, to say the least. But, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people had us like connected to the shortstop market, the starting pitching market. And, and candidly, we really weren't all that active in that. Now, that might be a strategic mistake. And, you know, in hindsight, six months from now or a year from now, we can look back at that and say, okay, we probably should have. Or, you know, our hope is is that we are right and, and it won't be something that um, we regret. But, you know, I feel like the effort and what we put into the, the offseason was real. Um, I can promise you it was, uh, you know, it was a very busy one in the sense of, of effort, but, you know, the, the return is what it is. But, Again, not overly concerned about it because I really think we have a good club and we have a lot of talent on this team and a lot of talent coming. So a couple of tracks there that I think are interesting. First of all, on the left-handed bat, they did pursue one, but Mozilla characterized 
that situation is, you know, the guys that we were looking toward maybe looked at us and said, I don't really see a role for myself in that organization, in that role that you, you seem to be looking to fill. It feels like I would maybe be more insurance for some of these young players that, you know, if those guys, if those guys don't take off, maybe then I get some opportunity. But if I'm a player of a certain stature, maybe I'm not looking to sign in that role, regardless of what the money is. I, I, I want to play. And that seems to be how Moselak characterized those conversations for a left-handed power bat. And you can look at that and say, all right, is that a vote of confidence for Nolan Gorman and guys like him, Alec Burleson, or is it more a case of, hey, they tried to go get the guy to maybe uh, ensure that position, kind of like this year's Corey Dickerson. Um, but ultimately, I, I guess it, it so happens that the Cardinals uh, – weren't viewed as, in, in the eyes of Mosaic anyway, a good organization for that specific role because there are young players that could leap into the conversation and take those jobs. Hey, Jordan Walker is another example. So I don't really know what to make of that. I think it, it does fit into a little bit of what I had to say about, hey, the Cardinals would need to make trades before signing guys because otherwise you don't see the spots. But I never really thought about it from an angle of how the individual players, like how the people behind the player would view that. Like, they won't want to come here if if the job isn't obviously open and available. So Mo thinks maybe a little bit of that was going on, but I think it's more interesting to talk about because they do have guys that can can leap into more steady roles and play in the DH spot, can play in the, the corner outfield, can, can hit their way onto uh, the lineup card each day. That can happen. There are enough guys, I think, that hopefully a, a couple of them emerge and, and are more consistent. But from the starting pitching and then the notion of, getting a, a true power bat that maybe would have resided at shortstop. Moselec says, yeah, the team wasn't really into that. They weren't, they didn't spend a lot of time on those discussions. The shortstop side of it, I understand. I don't know if I believe him completely because I think if they would have traded for Sean Murphy, that I believe Dansby Swanson would have been a Cardinal just because he feels like a guy that, that fits what the Cardinals are looking to do. It's not a knock on Tommy Edmond as a shortstop, but I think they, you know, they could have moved Swanson to second base if they preferred Edmund at shortstop. They, they could have done something like that. I think, in retrospect, it's easy to say we didn't look at those markets because, A, the money wasn't there if you were spending on Wilson Contreras. Not to say the money wasn't there, but the money wasn't going to be spent by ownership. They weren't going to raise payroll to that level. And I may have to s- kind of save the comments from Mosellac on payroll until the podcast tomorrow or later in the week because that's there's a lot there, and I, I don't want to go too far over 30 minutes today. But I think when you saw like the contracts that guys like Xander Bogarts, for instance, got from San Diego Padres, Cardinals weren't signing a contract like that. So if they thought we can get Xander Bogarts for five years and, and up the AAV, give him something juicy or a Carlos Correa, whatever, if they thought that at the beginning of the offseason, like as an inkling in the back of their mind, sort of if the shortstop market doesn't go berserk, maybe we jump in. I think quickly they realized, oh, that's not it's not going to be that kind of offseason. So it's easy to say in retrospect, well, we just weren't even involved because it kind of says, look at the deals that were signed without having to come out and say it. And that makes sense. The starting pitching side of things, um, you know, I I think it was characterized. I can't remember if it was DeWitt or Mazalak or both of them, but they sort of said, you know, the, the pitching market got kind of out of control, got crazy. And I, I think in part that's fair, but I look at the Carlos Rodon signing by the Yankees in particular. That one wasn't too crazy to me, but it's just, again, for a free agent contract, especially for a pitcher, it would have been more than the Cardinals have ever given out. 
not more than they offered. They offered David Price a pretty hefty sum back in the day, but that one didn't end up happening. He went to Boston. But I just don't think the Cardinals were were going to dive in on that level of a of a pitcher this offseason for whatever reason. And uh, maybe it'll it'll fit more with the payroll conversation tomorrow or later in the week when I can get some of the uh, Moselec quotes about that. I guess you could bring up the Bally Sports Midwest situation if you've seen over the past couple of days. That, that whole entity that owns all of the regional sports networks is going belly up. Bankruptcy, that's going to impact things because the Cardinals you know, get a lot of their revenues from their rights deal. A lot of teams do, but the Cardinals in particular. And if they're not receiving that money, what happens? Like, I think that's a, a question certainly that may have played into the offseason because they were looking ahead and seeing some uncertainty there. I don't think it was too big of a role because it's possible that it just ends up working out. And the Cardinals are, they were asked about that as well, ownership was. And so I'll play that for tomorrow when we talk more about payroll. But it's just interesting to hear John Moselleck say, yeah, starters, a marquee player like a shortstop. We just weren't really in that market. You may call that a strategic mistake. You may look back on that and say that was a whiff. And John Moselleck references that and kind of acknowledges like, you know, if that is the case, we'd have to sort of own that. But our hope is that it's not a mistake and that it works out the way we think it's going to. So it's all out in the open now. All the cards are on the table. And I think that's really interesting heading into the season that everybody kind of knows hey, here's what the Cardinals tried to do and failed. Here's what the Cardinals admit that they didn't even really try to do because they didn't think they needed maybe that extra addition to the position group at at shortstop or at at starting pitcher. They're going with the guys that they've got because they think those guys can be pretty good, even though some of them either were hurt or weren't that good last year. They're looking for bounce backs. We could talk about a lot of other guys on the roster. We've only talked about three prospects and three position players Three, you know, everyday guys, if you count Jack Flaherty among the starting rotation. He's in the rotation. Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, like those are guys they're looking for bounce backs from. And the fact that Moselleck mentioned them by name, I think, ties some expectation to those players. Whereas if you think about Paul DeYoung, we'll talk plenty about Paul DeYoung if you want. But that's maybe a guy that, hey, they're hoping he could could contribute again. But they're not tying their season to whether or not he's able to recoup some of the value. So I think interesting the way that internally some of the players are being viewed. We could talk more about that as the week goes along, but I'm going to wrap things up here for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Once again, let me know if you have Cardinals questions or things you'd like for me to talk about regarding this team at B-Shaper12 on Twitter, and I'll be hyping it up a lot more soon. It'll help a lot, and uh, you'll start to see some return on your investment as well. If you join the Patreon for the 2023 season, that is going to be a priority of mine as I continue to get this whole thing off the ground. So check that out, patreon.com slash bshafer12. I won't say too much more about it here, but as time goes on, you will hear me talk more about the things that you'll find there. So appreciate you guys as always for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Be Shafe Daily. Peace.